Temperatures dip below freezing, how the south coast is coping with the bitter cold and how long it's going to last. Cops on the megaphone saying, you're under arrest, exit the building. A four-day manhunt ends in Burnaby, how police finally catch up with shooting suspect Dayon Glasgow. There absolutely has to be um, a greater infrastructure for fire protection here. And fire safety near the Kinder Morgan tank farm. Sven Robinson stakes out his position as he fights for a seat in Parliament. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. First, though, breaking news out of Abbotsford. Whiteout conditions on Highway 1 at Whatcom Road, leading to a multi-vehicle crash this afternoon. At least 10 vehicles have been involved in this. Emergency health services saying seven ground ambulances were called to the scene. Uh, two patients in stable condition have been taken to hospital. The westbound lanes were closed by this pileup. One eastbound lane remained open. Police issuing a warning to drivers to be careful out there. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Well, that dramatic scene in the Fraser Valley showing us just how winter is back on the south coast. The snowfall started this morning in Metro Vancouver and Vancouver Island. The temperatures have plunged to below freezing. Uh, our Tanya Beja is at the Britannia Community Centre. That's one of the warming centres in Vancouver. Uh, Tanya, the biggest concern right now is how this cold is impacting people. That's right, Sonia. This here is one of four warming centres opening tonight around Vancouver as the region gets hit with its first real blast of winter. Now, for some, the snow and the cold is a novelty, but for others, it could mean real danger. Let's make a big one. It's not enough for a snowball, but Griffin Sorensen is happy just to be outside. Whoa. It's kind of nice to get some snow. He hasn't really had any that he can remember, so it's kind of fun for him. Metro Vancouver's bragging rights to balmy weather now over as the region gets its first dusting of snow. We just wanted to have our daily dose of soccer. <laughs> Being an athlete, you just have to be prepared for anything. From New Westminster to the Fraser Valley, drivers facing conditions they haven't seen all winter. Sliding down, flashing lights. Vancouver stockpiling 2,000 tons of salt and another 8,000 on demand as crews work 24 hours a day preparing for the potential of icy roads. And we're going to um, attack our priority routes. So those are our main arterials, um, our priority hills, a few of the bike lanes, the most commonly used ones, and as well as emergency routes. Sunday's flurries bringing with them a blast of Arctic air, the chill just beginning. Temperatures will continue to drop anywhere between 5 and up to 10 degrees below seasonal values. Metro Vancouver for our Monday morning. Wind chills feeling closer to minus 12. The forecast sparking fears for the most vulnerable. There are lives on the line. This is a serious time of year for us. People aren't ready for it because it's been so mild. Um, we don't want to see anybody die. We know people are going to be struggling and suffering in the cold, so we want to be there. 72 shelter beds at the Union Gospel Mission are already full. Staff laying out an extra 20 mats to get people inside while making a plea for donations. We're looking for waterproof jackets, waterproof boots, um, toques, those types of things can drop off at UGM and we'll try and get them into the hands of people who need them. Here at the warming centre, the city says the doors will be open for anybody who wants to come and bring their pets, their bicycles or shopping carts. 
Staff will be uh, offering hot drinks and snacks with the hope that anybody who needs it will uh, come inside. Sonia, back to you. Tanya, thanks very much for that. Now to the manhunt that has been going on since Wednesday afternoon. Police had been looking for shooting suspect Dayon Gordon Glasgow after a transit officer was shot at a Skytrain platform in Surrey. Glasgow is now in police custody. They caught up with him at a home in Burnaby. Grace Key has the details. Shattered glass at the front and side of this Burnaby home and a knockdown fence at the back are what's left after a massive police takedown. Inside, toys as well as art on the fridge could also be seen. At 5.30 in the morning, police arrested Dayon Glasgow, ending a four-day manhunt for a suspect wanted in the shooting of a transit police officer. Neighbours described waking up to the sound of police outside. Around 5 o'clock, he had like gunshots. And he's, he thought like there was like people dressed in military. And I heard uh, a bunch of dogs barking and cops on the megaphone saying, you're under arrest, exit the building kind of thing. We've seen like uh, robots coming out of the, uh, the truck, uh, overhead helicopter, um, assault rifles. Officers evacuated residents in three other units of this fourplex just before moving in. Three others were detained at the residence but later released. Police are not commenting on what led them to this address and it's unclear how long Glasgow had been staying here. We uh, pulled out all the stops given the risk to public safety. I won't go into a lot of the details but rest assured we used as you know a lot of overt investigational techniques but a lot of techniques and uh, and uh, I'll, uh, we'll leave it at that, that we're covert in nature. Glasgow is the prime suspect in the shooting of a transit police officer on Wednesday at the Scott Road Skytrain station in Surrey. Constable Josh Harms was released from hospital and is recovering at home. Constable Harms attended our offices to the briefing of his squad to make sure that uh, he could raise uh, and bolster their uh, feelings. No one was hurt from the arrest and it was considered a high-risk response. Glasgow has a long criminal history and pleaded guilty to manslaughter after fatally shooting a man inside a McDonald's restaurant near the Scott Road Skytrain station back in 2010. Glasgow is now in custody for an outstanding arrest warrant for being unlawfully at large. Charges are still pending for Wednesday's shooting. Grace Key, Global News. And Surrey's Mayor Doug McCallum has released this statement saying, I want to thank the men and women of Surrey, RCMP, and commend the work they've done in bringing the Scott Road Skytrain station shooting suspect into custody. Their dedication, expertise and relentless work are a testament to the successful outcome achieved this morning. I also want to extend my thanks to all the law enforcement agencies that assisted in today's arrest. A man is also seriously wounded after shots rang out in Burnaby last night. The shooting happened at around 10 p.m. in the Garden Village neighbourhood. A 39-year-old man was shot near the corner of Smith Avenue and Price Street. The victim was rushed to hospital in serious condition. Police do believe he was targeted. They're also saying the public is not at risk. Investigators are now looking for a beige sedan that was seen leaving the area at the time of the shooting. They're also appealing for anybody with dash cam footage. And homicide investigators have released photos of the man killed in Friday night's shooting in Surrey. 30-year-old Bikramjeet Kark was gunned down just after 7 o'clock at a home in the 13900 block of 58A Avenue. Kark was known to police. 
Investigators believe his murder was targeted and linked to the ongoing gang conflict. A white four-door Mercedes sedan was seen fleeing the scene. Minutes later, police did find a burning vehicle about three kilometres away near Colebrook Road and King George Boulevard. In BC's interior, the search for a missing cowboy has been suspended. Dozens of volunteers from multiple search and rescue agencies were staging at Merritt Airport earlier today after scouring the backcountry all week for any sign of 32-year-old Ben Tyner. The Nicola Ranch manager was last seen on the afternoon of Saturday, January 26th. On Monday, Tyner's riderless horse was found with a broken rein seven kilometres up a logging road. Locals suspect the horse may have been hauled into an area with a truck and trailer, but nobody has come forward to say they transported the animal. Searchers had been battling minus 24 degree temperatures with wind and snow. Part of the reason is because we are into day seven and we've covered a lot of the terrain. Uh, We're quite confident that most of the terrain that we've covered um, is our highest probability uh, without any further evidence to look anywhere else with the weather uh, it was minus 25 up there today it's very icy and then we have a skiff of snow so it's becoming dangerous for the searchers and they've been out for seven days so fatigue is starting to to set in In the Okanagan, it's not known when Highway 97 between Summerland and Peachland will reopen. Crews have not been able to clear a rock slide that happened on Saturday uh, because it's still too unstable. Jules Knox reports. The rock slide north of Summerland is still active and still dangerous. Crews pulled off the mountain overnight as rock continued to give way. The power of Mother Nature is uh, absolutely unheard of around here. I've never experienced something that's going to take down a highway for, for a couple days. Rock scalers are facing biting winds and unforgiving terrain. Crews are using dynamite to blast and splinter big boulders into smaller pieces, allowing machinery to work as safely as possible on the dangerous slope below. The area plagued by tumbling boulders since Thursday night. But the main slide caught on dash cam Saturday morning. Traffic had been stopped on both sides to allow a crew vehicle to pass through. A lucky break in timing as nobody was hurt. A helicopter now using the highway as a landing pad here for an aerial assessment of the situation. We're still, still trying to figure out exactly what's causing it. Obviously trying to be able to open it at least a single lane in a safe manner. After rescuing several motorists stuck in deep snow, police are warning there is no shortcut around the rock slide. I mean, this is going to create a lot of headaches for a lot of people. Commuters concerned their only option, a detour that can take upwards of three hours. It's extremely important. I mean, you're looking at a full day's work from, from my situation here, which I can see right here. It's literally like three-minute drive is now turned into three hours. So for me to work an eight-hour shift and drive six hours to make that happen. Late in the day, the ministry announcing a forest service Service road accessed off Highway 33 near Kelowna is available for vehicles less than five tons. It adds about 90 minutes to the journey. I think it would be prudent to be thinking for those commuters to be thinking of options for tomorrow, whether they can, uh, whether they're able to work from home, whether they're able to make some other arrangements. As for how long the highway closure might last, at this point the ministry has no estimate. Jules Knox, Global News near Summerland. 
A pedestrian has been seriously hurt in a crash in Delta this morning. The pedestrian was thrown quite a distance by the force of this crash. All southbound lanes at Scott Road and 75A were closed for several hours and just one northbound lane was open while officers investigated the cause. The area fully reopened to traffic at about 2 o'clock this afternoon. There are more calls tonight to fix a problem facing firefighters called out to Burnaby Mountain. Sven Robinson, who is seeking to return to Parliament this fall, is speaking out, saying something needs to be done about the poor water pressure that is hampering firefighters' efforts. It comes after a fire near the Kinder Morgan tank farm last month. Here's Paul Johnson. As far as structure fires go, Last month's blaze on the slopes of Burnaby Mountain was nominally a minor incident. Neither civilians nor firefighters were hurt, and since it was a storage building that was lost, it meant no one was out of a home. But the response to the fire revealed something else. Here's the Burnaby Fire Department the day after. The issue we had last evening was uh, it starts to head up the hill on, on Burnaby Mountain, and uh, uh, the water supply, the pressure was quite low. Low water pressure. Literally right next door to the Trans Mountain tank farm on Burnaby Mountain. One of the biggest energy storage facilities in B.C. And it's caught the attention of this man, Sven Robinson. This is a huge wake-up call. Uh, there's no question about it. Robinson is a past member of Parliament for the riding that includes the tank farm and has recently announced he's re-entering politics and will run for the NDP again in this fall's election. This fire could have been a disaster in this community. Uh, if there had been a bit more wind, if it had been drier, uh, it could have spread to the tanks that we see just behind us here. And uh, that would have been devastating. Robinson says if the planned expansion of the trans mountain pipeline takes place, there will be double the number of tanks on the slopes of Burnaby Mountain. And since Trans Mountain is now owned by the Canada Development Investment Corporation, it's ultimately up to Ottawa to invest in adequate infrastructure for fire protection. We reached out to Trans Mountain Sunday, but didn't hear back in time for this story. Many Burnaby residents have a long-standing opposition to the expansion of Trans Mountain. So you can add the news about the water pressure up there to their lengthy list of concerns. We've been against the expansion because of things just like this. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, Trans Mountain have issued a statement uh, late tonight. They are saying that they have their own on-site firefighting system to handle emergencies there. Uh, they say with respect to water pressure in surrounding neighbourhoods, they say they would welcome an opportunity to work uh, with the city of Burnaby, but the city has so far been unwilling uh, to participate. And moving on tonight, the Port of Vancouver has cancelled a controversial plan uh, to set up a coal export terminal at the Fraser Surrey docks. Now, the $15 million project was initially approved in 2014 and it would have seen more than 4 million tonnes of coal pass through it every year, most of it coming from the US by rail. Environmental groups and local governments oppose the idea, citing health and climate concerns. The Port of Vancouver says it pulled the project permit, saying the operators failed to meet the necessary conditions. 
Welcome back. Well, good news to report tonight. A Kelowna couple has been reunited with their dog after the pup was stolen in a smash and grab in Vancouver. Leslie and Tim Spiegel are thrilled to be working, uh, walking Luke again. The 19-month-old dog was snatched from the couple's vehicle on Thursday night. That was parked on 15th Avenue at Main Street. Uh, the Spiegels came back to their car to find the window had been smashed and Luke was gone. After a desperate search, they did get a call this morning uh, from a woman who'd spotted the dog in an SRO on the downtown east side. Soon after, a man called them demanding 100 bucks to return the dog. That is when front desk staff at the Hilden Hotel busted into the room and grabbed Luke. In the meantime, we got a call from the manager to say he'd found our dog. And so we raced back to this building and went upstairs. And with with there, the manager. Yeah, and there was Luke. There he was. Yeah. We came around the corner, he was barking, opened the door, and he just jumped into our arms. Mm-hmm. We're thrilled. We're, we're really, we can't tell you, just, we, we, we're still trying to digest what, what an amazing mm-hmm. journey this has been. So please, they got him back. While the clock is ticking on Canada's decision on whether or not to proceed with an extradition hearing for Meng Wanzhou, her company Huawei is working to bring high-speed internet to a tiny BC community. Kristen Robinson has the story. It takes no time for Rick Duncan to flip the dough at his pizza joint. The internet at his cafe, not so fast, but his tiny caribou community about to get a big online boost. It's exciting that they chose our town. Laclahash, B.C., population 258, according to the 2016 census. The unincorporated place along Highway 97, the winner of a Huawei partnership to test broadband technology that delivers internet speeds of up to 100 megabits per second. Laclahash has a relative dense population for a rural setting. It's an area that's underserved. It could use some higher speeds. ABC Communications, the local internet provider, helping roll out the Huawei high-speed pilot project. We were pretty surprised because it's on the news all over the world. There are mixed feelings in town because of the politics with China. Huawei's chief financial officer remains under house arrest in Vancouver. Meng Wanzhou's arrest on a U.S. extradition request alleging fraud, sparking a diplomatic crisis, with China sentencing an Abbotsford man to death and detaining two other Canadians. I think the the current issue going on between the uh, three governments are are best left for them to decide. Uh, What we have here is we have technology. If they're going to help us here in our community, then we're all for it. Duncan says he's okay with the Chinese telecom giant's plans to bring Lake of the Axe into the 21st century. Apparently named after a French-Canadian trapper who lost his only hatchet axe while ice fishing, Lac La Hache could make history again with Huawei Next Generation Rural Broadband. Kristen Robinson, Global News. All right, Barry uh, is back with sport and Yvonne is back after even longer. Good to have you back. Yes, it's nice to see you. And you brought snow with you. Yeah, I returned to some <laughs> cold and chilly temperatures. So uh, temperatures have dropped off. We saw some moisture pushing in in the form of snow. A look at some of the numbers and what we did see. These are unofficial. Uh, Seashelt, though, picking up seven centimeters. Metro Vancouver was anywhere between a trace and up to three centimeters. Those are the reports so far. Coquitlam reporting three, similar for Whistler, the Malahata two, and areas near Abbotsford. 
Oxford. That's just one report of one centimeter. We'll have some updates later on, uh, but uh, we are going to see seeing temperatures very cold, frigid right across the board. We'll talk about how we'll look ahead towards our work week and how long it will last coming up. Yeah, you see, that's what we get for all the gloating we did over the last yes. few days about how warm it is here <laughs> compared to the rest of Canada. It's freezing now. Mm-hmm. All right, um, everybody obviously talking about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, um, it has been a super dog so right. far, which is a bit surprising because of all the offense uh, that both of these teams can put up. But right now, they're 3-3 in the fourth quarter. Lowest scoring Super Bowl to this point ever. Uh, just not a lot uh, going on in this game. I mean, it's perfect conditions playing indoors in Atlanta, but so far, not a whole lot. I, I do have some highlights, but it's, you know, like no touchdowns, I can tell you that. Okay. Anyway, we have all that coming up and uh, some very interesting finish at the uh, golf in Phoenix with uh, Ricky Fowler. Bizarro stuff going on there. That was a bit more interesting than the Super Bowl. So. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, I don't really know much about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Welcome back in Edmonton. The deep freeze has claimed its first victim. The body of a man was found in a green space just west of Commonwealth Stadium at around 9.30 this morning. Police say it is not clear how old the man was. Officials say this is the first weather-related death this season. Most of Alberta has been under an extreme cold warning, with temperatures dropping to minus 40 below overnight. With the wind chill under those conditions, frostbite can develop in minutes. A 54-year-old man is dead after an early morning explosion rocked a southern Ontario town about an hour away from Toronto. One house was completely levelled and several families living in nearby homes were evacuated. Erica Vella has the details. There was this huge boom. That sound? An explosion which levelled a house only a short distance away from where Dave Strawn lives. It was really loud. We knew something bad had happened. The blast woke him up shortly after 6 Sunday morning and he soon saw the damage to the area. Not only is the house destroyed that had the explosion happen, all the neighbors' houses are pretty substantially damaged. Several people who heard the explosion called emergency services. When our crews attended, they found a house that was completely leveled uh, to the ground. One person was located and pronounced dead on scene. The victim has been identified as 54-year-old Joseph Westcott. At this time, we have no information to believe that there was anybody else uh, in the residence. The Office of the Ontario Fire Marshal is now investigating, sifting through the debris left from the explosion. At this point, it's too early to speculate. Uh, We have very little details what caused this. This is what's left of the house after Sunday morning's explosion. You can see there are wooden beams and insulation, but there were several homes in the surrounding area that were also damaged. I looked and I saw the sliding door was off. Pictures had fallen off the wall. Yeah. Uh, the front window was broken. Approximately 30 to 35 people have been displaced because of the blast. The Red Cross has set up services for those people who need it. We do a needs assessment to find out what exactly do you need. Do you need a place to stay? Do you need clothing? Do you need food? And then once they tell us what they need, we ensure that they get what they need to survive until they're allowed to go back home. That timeline, however, is still unclear. It's even too early to determine the exact time frame that they will be out, but we can pretty much say the houses that have been media affected will be a couple of days this week at least, and then we will start to see uh, when we can let the residents back in in the surrounding area. And while the investigation continues, it will take time to determine what exactly caused the fatal home explosion. Erica Vella, Global News. 
At least seven people have been killed after a train derailed in eastern India. 29 others have been left hurt, two of them critically. The train was on its way to Delhi at full speed at the time of the crash. Authorities believe the derailment was caused by a broken rail. India's railway system is the third largest in the world, but it does lack modern signalling and communication systems. A small plane has crashed into a Southern California home today, killing two people and injuring two others. The crash set the house on fire. Officials say the twin-engine Cessna went down shortly after it takeoff from a nearby airport. Parts of the aircraft were left scattered on the ground and rooftops. The bulk of the wreckage came to a stop in a backyard that's downhill from the burnt-out house. Firefighters will have to search the inside of the charred house to see if there are any other victims. The Canadian subsidiary of General Motors tried to stop an auto workers union from airing a highly critical TV commercial during today's broadcast of the Super Bowl. What makes us Canadian? So when GM needed help, we gave them $300 from... The 30-second ad calls GM greedy and un-Canadian. In November, the automaker announced plans to close its factory in Oshawa, Ontario. About 2,600 workers will lose their jobs. The ad accusing GM of continuing to expand into Mexico while leaving Canadians out in the cold. GM did send a cease and desist letter to Unifor, giving it a Saturday deadline to stop airing the ad. The company called it misleading, but the Unifor president says the ad is not going to be pulled. All right, I hope you're sitting uh, fireside because it is freezing out there. Yvonne has got all the details. Yes, and it's going to be very chilly if you're heading out for work or school tomorrow. The wind chills will be into the minus teens. I'll have more on that and how long it will last in just a moment. A glance, though, outside, though, looking at our tower cam overlooking Science World and BC Place. We've got dry conditions, temperatures sitting at minus 3 with the wind chill closer to minus 10. An easterly wind right now at 20 kilometers per hour. A quick look back at the snow. Thank you so much for tweeting in some of your photos. Larry sent the snow that started to fall just around noon at Metrotown. This one sent in from Lynn Valley and some great shots of the snow accumulating closer to two centimeters. Kyle sent this in and reported around two centimeters of snowfall. Qualicum Beach, Rory the Westie. Great <laughs> shots enjoying the snow day today. So thank you so much. You can always email us your photos at weatherwindow at globaltv.com. Temperatures, big weather story. They'll continue to fall through this evening and anywhere between 5 and up to 10 degrees below the average for this time of the year. We're currently at minus 3. Wind chill, though, minus 9 to minus 10. Kelowna into the minus teens, and it's the peace that we're seeing that cool Arctic air entrance right across the entire province. The peace with the wind chill right now feeling closer to minus 36. Areas near Kamloops at minus 30. And Bella Cool at minus 22. A clearing is on the way. Interior sections, though, still see Seeing some snowfall if you're heading along the mountain passes, an additional two for the Sea to Sky for Whistler. The Coquihalla and Allison Pass, two and up to four centimeters. Rogers Pass, two and Kootenay Pass, higher mounts this evening between five and ten and then chance of flurries tomorrow and a clearing come the afternoon. Warnings that we do have it in place, extreme cold. We've got minus 40 wind chills for the northeastern corners across the central interior. An Arctic outflow warning, minus 20 for the north coast. Coastal and inland sections with the wind an Arctic outflow warning for house sound in areas stretching in towards the Fraser Valley. Now, the moisture easing off, especially this evening. By tomorrow morning, it'll be for the interior with the chance of flurries. And then a clearing is on the way, continuing to see that sunshine, but very chilly temperatures. The piece 
We could see frostbite within minutes. Wind chill minus 30, 43 starting off the morning and then minus 38 for the afternoon. White horse minus 27, still a few flurries for the morning and then a clearing on the way. Along the coast, minus 16, but inland with the wind chills at minus 20 and minus 30 overnight and for the early morning hours. Caribou and central interior, sunny, chilly, wind chill at minus 36. Columbia and Kootenai region, wind chill will be at minus 12. Most areas near the Thompson Okanagan, flurries for the morning hours, a clearing is on the way. Whistler bundle up, the wind chill will be down to minus 23 and areas along the island into the minus teens. A few isolated flurries across the island, potentially for the morning hours. Sunshine come the afternoon. Metro Vancouver, bundle up, wind chill at minus 12 for the morning hours and then minus 5 for the afternoon. It'll be sunny and dry, but chilly all the way in towards our Wednesday and some moisture could, could push back towards our Thursday, Friday. Sonia? Thermal's out. Thank you, yeah. very, <laughs> thank you very much for that. All right, let's head uh, to the World Indoor Skydiving Games right now where a 14-year-old has just won gold. That is Callie Wintenberg from the U.S. who was showing off her acrobatic skills in the wind tunnel in front of a packed crowd. All of this action winning her gold in the solo freestyle category. A Spanish pair took first place in the two-way dynamic category, while a Belgian team called the Fantastic Four won the four-person competition. Looks so easy, doesn't it? All right, one day I'm going to really get into the Super Bowl. One day. You said you'd enjoy football more if you knew the rules. Well, exactly. I don't okay. understand. Well, a lot of people Sorry. are kind of in that mode watching the Super Bowl at parties and stuff. Today, not, not the greatest advertisement for the game if you weren't in the NFL. All right, well, in a season where dynamic, high-scoring offenses have ruled the field, Super Bowl 53 has been absolutely dominated by the defenses on both the Patriots and Rams. And it's not like they're playing in a blizzard. They're playing indoors in perfect conditions at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Tom Brady playing in his ninth Super Bowl. Bill Belichick, 12th Super Bowl as either a head coach or assistant coach. Both records. Opening drive, New England into Ram territory. But Brady's first pass of the game is tipped and then intercepted by Corey Littleton, a sign of things to come that the defenses would be making all the big plays in this one. Next drive, Patriots with a chance to take the lead. The reliable Steven Goskowski had never missed a field goal at this stadium ever. 31 of 31, but he missed today from 46. It remains scoreless. Second quarter, and we got a little bit of offense. You know it's a bit of a dud when this is a highlight in the Super Bowl. A 20-yard gain to Julian Edelman. Did lead to a field goal. Patriots led 3-0. Rams second highest scoring team in the league. 34 points per game, but Jared Goff miserable first half. Just two first downs, 58 yards total offense. Got sacked there. 3-0 at the half. The halftime entertainment, Maroon 5. They played all their hits and uh, Adam Levine gave everyone a big thrill, I suppose, by taking off his shirt, showing his ink and his abs. Now, would that brief nudity help the offenses in the second half? A little bit. Goff connects with Robert Woods, 18-yard. I got to get the ratings up somehow. The, the game footage is not helping. Uh, led to a Greg Zerline field goal. So 3-3 after 3. First time ever. No touchdowns through the first three quarters of the Super Bowl. But in the fourth, Brady to Gronkowski. That great connection leads to this. Yes, we do have a touchdown. Sony Michelle moments ago. So it's about five minutes to go fourth quarter, 10-3 New England as they go for another Super Bowl. 
The Canucks continue their road trip tomorrow in Philadelphia against a Flyers team that has won seven straight. Then it's on to Washington Tuesday and Chicago Thursday to complete the trip. Canucks have moved into the final playoff spot in the West after their 5-1 win in Denver last night. Today, scoreboard watching Habs and Oilers for Montreal. Both teams played and lost in overtime yesterday. Uh, First period, Shea Weber, bullet one-timer, one-nothing Canadians. Oilers giving up a goal for the fifth time in their last six power play attempts or penalty kill attempts. Second period, now 2-1, Connor McDavid off the nice feed from Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and it is uh, 2-2. Third period, 3-2 Oilers lead, but Habs rookie Jesperi Kotkaniemi ties it with under seven to go. Quick hands by the young Finn, ties it at three. Overtime required. Jonathan Drouin does it himself. Blazing speed, cuts to the inside and rips it past Miko Koskinen. Habs win 4-3. Oilers get a point. They now have 51, but trail the Canucks by three points for the final playoff spot. Flames and Hurricanes from Carolina. Bill Peters, now the coach of the Flames, did coach the last four seasons in Carolina before being fired, and his Flames are having a great year. They lead the West. Another shorthanded goal here. Their league-leading 16th, Garnet Hathaway with the goal. Before the period's over, though, former Flame Dougie Hamilton snaps it past David Riddick, so 3-2 after two, but not to be outdone. Former Hurricane Blue Liner Noah Hannafin gets the Flames' two-goal lead back, blasting it through Peter Morazic. Now the Canes wanted goalie interference on this play right there on James Neal, but it was reviewed and the goal stood, and Calgary wins again 4-3. They lead the West with 73 points. And we've got some basketball, Raptors and Clippers from Toronto. The Raps blew this game open in the second quarter. Kawhi Leonard with the uh, driving layup. So strong, hard to stop. Raps... Led 65-51 at the half. Leonard led the way with 18. A balanced attack today. No Kyle Lowry. They're resting him, but DeLon Wright had 14 off the bench. 121-103. Raptors win 38-16. Just a game and a half behind first place Milwaukee in the East. Welcome back with the NHL Draft coming up this June in Vancouver. We will be featuring some of the top prospects coming out of the Western Hockey League over the next few weeks. We start with Kelowna Rockets left wing Nolan Foote, whose dad, Adam, just happens to be his head coach in Kelowna. And, of course, Adam was a two-time Stanley Cup winner as a hard-nosed defenseman with the Colorado Avalanche. And Nolan's older brother, Cal, was a first-round pick by Tampa two years ago. So the bloodlines are there. And accordingly, Nolan is expected to be a late first-round pick. When Adam Foote was hired to coach the Kelowna Rockets, it raised a lot of questions, not only because of the timing, just 14 games in, but also because his son Nolan plays for that team. I'm not worried about that. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that part out. 18-year-old Nolan admits it had its ups and downs. At first, there was a lot of chirping from other teams, but that's going to happen, and it's fun. Notably, it was tough with teammates. They were trying to get used to a new coach. How can you vent about your teammate's dad? I think so. At first, it was a bit awkward, and um, a lot of them didn't expect him as the new coach, and... and that was difficult for me, but you know, we made that statement at, at the start of the at the start of when he started was just um, I'm just as another player, you know, just think of me a player, not a son. For a teenager, this is a lot of time with dad at the rink, at home, but Nolan doesn't get sick of it. No, there's sometimes where I kind of just want to be left alone or whatever, but always at home. There's if we're watching an NHL game or whatever it is, he's always rewinding it and, you know, he's teaching me. He'll be like, did you see that play? Did you see that move? And I'll be like, yeah. And, and it's, it's good. And, and whether I'm at the rink or at home, I'd love to hear as much hockey advice as I can. 
On top of it, he's got support from Big Brother. Cal, who also played for the Rockets, just went through his draft year in 2017 when the defenseman was picked in the first round by the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've just given me advice on, you know, staying out of the rankings and staying away from that stuff and just keep just trying to get better every day, each game, each practice, and just trying to grow as a player. He doesn't look at Central Scouting's rankings, but we can tell you the six foot three winger is ranked 26th among North American skaters. Could be an anxious wait on draft day, but he'll have all foots on the ground with him for support. Quinn Phillips, Global Sports. Top. Well, there's a there's an advertisement there. You got to hold it. Final round of the waste management from Rainy Phoenix. Ricky Fowler began the day with a four shot lead, but he's been a poor front runner. Seven times he's led or co led on tour with a 54 hole lead. He's closed the deal once. Five shot lead at the 11th when this happens. Fowler had already put his third shot in the water. He replaced the ball, and while up on the green, the ball he replaced also rolled back in the water. A bizarre play. It's another penalty stroke. Fowler ended up taking a triple bogey seven. His lead was down to two. While all that craziness was going on, South African Brandon Grace nails the long birdie. Grace would eventually take a one-shot lead, but then Fowler dusted himself off, made birdie at the 15th, and then at 17, on the drivable par four, his tee shot is perfect. He drives the green. And he would two-putt that for a birdie and finally a chance to exhale and smile for Ricky Fowler. On 18, though, he drove it into trouble, not making it easy on himself. He did have a two-shot lead at this point, and he recovers beautifully with this shot in front of the green. And then he will have this for par and the two-shot victory. Despite shooting three over 74 today, he gets the win just the fifth of his PGA career. He had to fight for it. But good for him. Adam Hadwood tied for 44th at minus four. EPL Sunday, Manchester City and Arsenal. Sergio Aguero and Man City off and running early, not even a minute in. How about that diving header for Aguero? Getting tight to the ground to put that one in. 1-0 City. Aguero unstoppable today. 44th minute. His job was the easiest on that beautiful uh, three-way pass play. Easy tap in. 2-1 for City at that point. And then Aguero will get the hat trick, a bit of a controversial goal, while sliding to the ground. Got his foot on it, but did that graze his arm before it went in? Arsenal wanted a handball call, didn't get it. It stands. Three goals for Aguero, 3 1 the final. They moved to within two of Liverpool, who play tomorrow. Also, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and United coming off their first blemish since he took over, drawing on Wednesday, but they're eight wins and one draw in the nine matches since he's taken over. More success today, thanks to the Leicester City turnover. Paul Pogba to Marcus Rashford, who scores the only goal of the match. 1-0 Man United wins. They now jump over Arsenal into fifth. They're just two points back of Chelsea. Seven wins and one draw in their eight EPL matches under Solskjaer. HSBC Rugby Sevens from Sydney, Australia, Canada and Argentina in the Challenge Trophy semi after Canada beat Scotland earlier. Second half, Canada down nine, but that changes. Big Jake Teal of Abbotsford with a long gallop for the try in Canada, cut the lead to 14 to 12. But Argentina just a little too much for the Canadians in this one. Fernanda Luna with some space takes it the distance. Argentina take it 24-19. Canada went two and three in the tournament. New Zealand beat the U.S. to win the cup final. Don't forget Vancouver Rugby Sevens March 9th and 10th at BC Place. 
Here's a look at your snow report for today. Whistler Blackcomb with three new centimeters. Grouse with a base of 234, Cypress 268, Sasquatch six new centimeters. Revelstoke with five new centimeters, Fernie with a base of 210, Manning Park 153, Whitewater with six new centimeters. Big White and Silver Star with both a base of 171, Sun Peaks 151 and five new centimeters. Kicking Horse with 12 new centimeters and Mount Washington with a base of 209. All right, Barry showed us highlights of the big game, uh, but here's what some of us are interested in, the ads. Take a look. My boyfriend is addicted to frozen food porn. Oh, I should. Oh, he watches it at least two to three times a day. Maybe more. The other day, I found his hidden stash. This addiction has turned him into a three-minute man. I tried to spice things up, but it didn't really work. He's doing it as much at work as he is at home. Now we are into amateur food videos. So hot. This addiction can happen to anyone. It's hard to resist. Hello, folks. What floor? Oh, we're car shopping. Ah, you're going down. Way down. This floor, root canal. Oh, this is bad. This stop jury duty. Remember, innocent until proven. Well, he did it, right? We all agree he did it? Okay, six hour flight, middle seat. <laughs> Who's got vitamin C? This floor, the top. Your body's changing. My body changed. Even grandma's body. Vegan dinner party, is that even a thing? We're having beetloaf, Sergio's specialty. Why, thank you. Yay! Car shopping, off you go. No, sorry, we're getting a Hyundai. Yeah, we used Shopper Assurance. It was really easy. Hyundai, going up. Hyundai Shopper Assurance. Transparent pricing, streamlined purchase, a three-day worry-free exchange, and test drives that come to you. Not so fast, Captain Colin, back it up. Thank you. It's car shopping made better. We're out of milk. Are you kidding me? Mister! What? Up there! Don't do it! I'm sorry, honey. Gotta go. Lean on me when times are bad. And when you think of and you down. In the river of trouble about the <laughs> Easily the best part of the day so far at uh, Super Bowl. 53. Yeah, exactly, because you're saying the score line's not really doing things right now. It's horrible. Yeah, all right then. Well, listen, thank you very much for watching us tonight and uh, have a great evening the rest of it. Enjoy it.